Welcome back to the Act 2 Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. Act 2 is a network and support group for screenwriters who are actively working in the industry right now. So this podcast is just one of the things we do, but first and foremost, we are a support group for professional writers. And if you've liked this podcast, hit pause, stop what you're doing, go write a comment, give us a rating. Please. On whatever you listen to. It helps us get in front of other writers, so... Basically, if you don't do it, it's like you're keeping a secret from all your friends. Yeah. You don't keep secrets, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but if you'd rather keep a secret, you can DM us with mm. questions, topics, suggestions. You can read out, reach out to us at Act2Writers, which is all spelled out, or on our Instagram at Act2Writers. Also now on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, I'm also on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> On at Story Thursday or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And I'm on Instagram as Josh Hallman and Twitter Joshua Hallman. Do you think there's someone who's on Instagram following Josh Hallman instead of Joshua Hallman or whatever, vice versa, thinking it's you? I think about this often. <laughs> and the answer is yeah. I think there's one person. There's just one. <laughs> All right. I feel like you're leading the, the way here. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just writing your coattails today. Today's going to be a great day. Do you want to explain what this episode is? I will try to explain it. Because we might not even know. So <laughs> what you've told me it's going to be, which is we are going to come up with movies that we love and have definitely seen. Yes. And try to get the other person to pitch the TV version of yeah. what that movie could be on the fly on the fly i feel like this is like a fun exercise it's something fun to do uh pre recent episode we talked about writing prompts i'm not saying this is a writing prompt but i i just feel like you know we talk about craft we talk about industry stuff we talk about all this and, and it's like this is just something that i think writers should do in general because i feel like this is an exercise that gets your brain working in some way, shape, or form. And it's fun. It's fun for us. And I can see you uncomfortable because it's impromptu. And you're like, fuck, 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 fuck. Oh, God, I don't have any notes. Oh, God. <laughs> yep. All right. But before we go in, This Week in Writing. Yes. Do you have one? I do have one. I was talking to a producer about a pitch. And I was just sort of asking them, hey, what actor do you see in this role that you guys have come up with and her response was interesting because it was counter to what we've talked about on this podcast in terms of pitching actors in your pitch now in our in our episodes about pitching go back and listen to them they're they're really fun and we've gotten great feedback on them from people who have been able to kind of use them as a basis for their pitching and really succeed which is really really cool to hear but one of the things we talk about is using actors visually in your pitch when you are pitching to someone and usually this happens when you're of course around a table so pre-pandemic or if you're able to screen share during your pitch it would be the time where you'd be like and then josh hallman our secret spy in this world and then you show a picture of who you imagine will play josh hallman josh who do you imagine playing you probably like brad pitt <laughs> Naturally. Naturally. 
So you throw a picture of Brad Pitt in there looking all dapper in his spy outfit or however you see him. If he actually looks a bit more like um, uh, weathered and haggard as your spy in your movie, then you'd find a picture of Brad Pitt looking weathered and haggard in your spy movie. And that's sort of our suggestion. But this, this producer that I talked to this week, she actually said that they have found more success when they pitch a character from something else versus an actor from mm -hmm. something. So rather than saying, so Josh Hallman, our secret spy, imagine Brad Pitt. Josh Hallman does blah, 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 blah. Instead of pitching that, what you would pitch instead would be Josh Hallman, picture Brad Pitt from Fight Club and blah, blah, blah. And I'd go on like that. So they're not saying like, oh, I have to get Brad Pitt to be in this role or they're the the studio that you're pitching to or whoever you're pitching to isn't now distracted by, do I imagine Brad Pitt in this role? Maybe I don't imagine Brad Pitt in this role. Instead, you're directing them to something super specific that they can wrap their minds around without getting distracted by like the casting conversation that's now going to go on in their head. Oh, that's interesting. So it's like you're almost forcing them to think of Tyler Durden. Exactly. That's yeah, that's clever. Yeah, I thought that was interesting and uh, counter to what we've talked about. But in some ways, not because, I, yeah. again, the thing that I was very much an advocate for when using pictures for your pitch was to find a picture that's very specific to your world. So, again, if my haggard Brad Pitt is the character for Josh Holman, I'm not going to pick Brad Pitt from Meet Joe Black. That's the wrong image. So I'm going to pick something from a different movie. So it's sort of the same thing. I don't have I have a this week in not writing. Oh, great. Those are fun. I, oh, no. It was, I had <laughs> this, this week, there was a COVID scare throughout my house. Oh, gosh. And uh, fortunately, everything's fine, but it took my brain off of writing. And I might have not gotten a single thing done. I, like, I thought I was getting things done. And then I look back at writing things. And this, I even like pushed a call just because I was like, I don't want to fucking deal with this. Like, yeah. I'm just not in the mood right now. Um, so, but it was a reminder. It was like, there's a lot of shit going on in the world. And it's a yeah. reminder to just kind of take a break because, you know, maybe, maybe you need to relax for a moment. Rest your brain, writers. I need to hear this so hard this week. I really appreciate it. Well, you know, it's, it, yeah, because you get caught up in the moment. It's so crazy because we were, remember when we were in the middle of COVID and it was like, I need to appreciate life more. Mm -hmm. And now we're just back to the way we used to be. We're stressing out about everything. We're, 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 our habits are back. And I had one of those moments today or this week where I was like, you know what? I got to just chill. This is fine. Everything's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. But I will say just one more follow-up to that. Oh, no. Are you going to counter this? No. I'm really I've, zen I, right now. No, no, no. <laughs> I've been watching the uh, morning show. Mm -hmm. and season two and without getting too far into it they start to tackle covid oh and interesting it has i love the show but like anything covid related just turns me off oh and i have this reaction where i'm like okay i'm good i don't even i can't deal with this again like i'm mm -hmm. good like we so i don't know i don't know if anyone else feels that way but for me it was like no too yeah. soon i'm good you definitely hear a lot about that of people who have amazing ideas and scripts that just happen to be going out now, but they're about, you know, a disease or uh, some kind of outbreak. And yeah, 
objectively this script is great and would make a fantastic movie or tv show but nobody's buying it because it's just too soon too soon man it's too depressing yeah and it's still happening but that's not what this podcast is about no we gotta i'm gonna drink my zoa yeah i'm gonna take a sip yeah and then we're gonna fucking get into the the meat okay <sighs> okay tasha who begins what are we doing <laughs> this is what i'm thinking oh, i'm so scared I'm going to give you a movie yeah. that I guarantee you've seen. And we're going to talk about how it could be turned into a TV show. However, <sighs> mm. I'm going to add a little, little thing here. Mm. If you feel it, if you're like, I just know how to reboot this movie, mm. Mm. then we can go there. Okay. There's no like hard set rules. Is there a third alternative where I say, I have no idea how to do this? Yeah, then we I work on it out. together. Yeah, of course. Okay. okay. But no, actually, no. There is not that alternative. You figure oh. this out. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. How do you turn Die Hard into a TV show? Okay. Die Hard. Okay. So my favorite Die Hard is the one with Jeremy Irons and Samuel L. Jackson. And the games that they play and how it's a game of clues. And that to me is the most fun I have during a Die Hard movie. Yes. So I would somehow bottle that up and use that as the jumping off point for my TV show. I like that. Honestly, I think it would feel a little bit like the Lethal Weapon 1 feels the lethal weapon one <laughs> how lethal the. weapon <laughs> feels in that I, I imagine i would start with this down and out cop who kind of sucks <laughs> and <laughs> people don't like him but they respect him and i want to then know as an audience member why they respect him yeah where does that come from because i'm meeting him at a low point and so i think what will be interesting over the course of the show is to unravel this anti-hero a little bit so that we can see why he was respected and then maybe what caused his trauma for him to then become this asshole who doesn't give a fuck mm, i like that so is it set in a like a contained area at all throughout the series is season one like you know, out and about, and there's like a Simon Says person, and then mm. season two, they're in just a building the entire season. Ooh, that's interesting. I feel like season one would be New York. But then, so my mind suddenly goes to like Haunting of Hill House, which I know is a very oh, different genre. <laughs> <laughs> but that show is obviously so contained over the course of season one. So is Bly Manor, where it's contained to one house, right? And then for Haunting of Hill House, you would sometimes go outside and, and see what these other people's lives were, but it's sort of always connected back at this house. I bet there's a way to do that with Die Hard somehow, where Whoa. whatever it is, like you have a central contained location that maybe like the finale completely takes place in, or maybe it's a part, part two-er where you know, second yeah. to last episode and last episode, the climax of your season takes place in this contained building and all season we've been pointing in that direction and finally it's there. Wow, so it's leading up to Yakatomi, Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah. Plaza, Jesus. Yeah. 
Because that's a good point. The contained aspect of Die Hard 1 is what's so, in some ways, iconic about yeah. that, that movie's structure and how exciting it is. Maybe season two all takes place in one of those apart, like self-containing apartment buildings Ooh. that, you know, like it has a park on the 50th floor and it has yeah. a grocery store and like you can live your whole life in this one building. I feel like that's, that could even be, so yes, definitely season two, maybe season one. It could be awesome. It could be awesome. It would be cool to get to see a John McClane type just out in the world a bit more like mm-hmm. this down and out guy and just really kick the shit out of him and make him a really unlikable but under like uh, mm-hmm. you empathize with him that's what i would love to see about that character is like what does he like when he goes to the grocery store what does he like when he has to go get his car <laughs> fixed how does he treat the mechanic <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. like what are those sort of basic everyday things we have to go through what is john mcclain doing in those situations and that's the yeah. fun of a tv show that you don't get in the movie because in the movie you have to sort of be so single-minded and getting to the objective of of your climax whereas a tv show you can have fun with the world they're exploring i like it i wonder if there could be like little side side uh missions that he's on that cause the contained aspect of die mm-hmm. hard like he fucks over someone at oh, some point. Oh, this is interesting. So you're saying like the season almost starts with him creating the villain that he ends up having to face in episodes seven and eight, the, the two last episodes. Yeah, it's Nate from Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting about that is I feel like so many of the diehard villains and James Bond villains, just action villains in general maybe, have this sense of like, you fucked me over and I'm coming for revenge. So yeah, what if it's like these series of events that he doesn't even know, John McClane doesn't even know he's set in motion that lead us to, yeah, our final destination, that tower that's been looming in the background of our show. That's cool. Okay. That's cool. I like it. I think we just, we cracked Die Hard in a, as a TV show. (laughs) (laughs) Done. Okay, great. (laughs) Sold. All right, so this is an interesting one. So this one is being turned into a TV show already. I'll I'll tell you the better way to do it. Yeah, I've not read the script yet, but now I'm going to want to right after this. True Lies. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) One of Josh's favorite movies of all time, (laughs) which, because it's amazing. Wait, True Lies is becoming a TV show? Yes. Wait, what? Are we sure? CBS is doing True Lies. That it almost like gets me upset, like talking about this for some odd reason. I don't know why, because I feel like I've always wanted to write the like the offshoot of True Lies. Oh yeah, I know. I I partly want to send you this script, but don't want to upset you either. Send it, please. I'm really torn. All right, so I think the first thing I'm going to do with True Lies is I'm going to reverse the male female dynamic. Ooh, interesting. Jamie Lee Curtis is the, well, I'm just using her for some point of reference, but the wife in this situation is a a spy. Her husband really has no idea. All right, so you have this badass wife spy. It's a little bit of alias, Mm -hmm. but she's happily married. It's a little bit of uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I feel like season one of True Lies is the husband 
then snooping on the wife, thinking there's kind of like an affair going on. And he starts getting involved into her espionage world. And the wife mean, is on missions and like the husband starts following her. And they intersect at some point throughout the season of season one. The entire time, the husband's feeling like something's wrong in their relationship. And then they end up working together at the conclusion of the season, of season one. And it repairs their relationship. I like that aspect where, and that's some of the fun stuff in True Lies, is that the excitement of the missions helps reignite their relationship it'd be fun if you and you have the space in a tv show to make that a bit more sort of complex and realistic maybe the the drama that goes on between a a wife and a husband and a family that have sort of lost their spark and how it comes back i think that's a really interesting thing to explore totally you're following also like on missions that the wife is on the husband thinks something is like like what's up they go out to like a dinner together and he's just spying on her. And I feel like the husband, like in True Lies, the movie, obviously Jamie Lee Curtis gets uh, connected with the Bill Paxton character, which I feel like you could have some fun in that where like the wife, the wife's doing her thing, the husband's doing his thing, but somehow they come together. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's also one of the most brilliant parts of True Lies is Jamie Lee Curtis gets thrust on what she thinks is a secret mission. Yeah. Only to reveal it's Bill Paxton and then that gets flipped on its head again when the husband he takes over the mission basically I was just gonna say the other thing I love about true lies is it's probably my favorite title like I've been so jealous of the title true lies for so long I I I, (laughs) I've I've tried to like copy true lies and like okay what, what, what can I do to play off of each other anyway false truths False true. That's going to be my next script for sure. <laughs> That's going to be the pilot I write to try to take out true lies. But, um, well, do you, can I ask you? Because I yeah. can see how this could work as like a really fun action spy comedy with the heart of the family repairing itself over the course of season one. What yeah. do you feel like would be season two? Like, if you're pitching this to an exec and they're like, cool, but what's the rest of the show? Well, season two, their daughter gets taken. So now they're working together to find their daughter. So if season one is repair, season two is like relearning who they are. It's like become better husband and wife in season one. Season two is become better parents. There we go. Yes. And now in season two, (laughs) the world is closing in on them because now they're, it's like uh, the second half of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Like now that they're together, everyone's like, wait a minute, we can't have these two together. They know too much. We have to kill them. So not only do they have bad guys coming after them in season two, but they have like the government coming after them in season two. And then in season three, they're just some rogue ass Jason Bourne agents. (laughs) In, (laughs) I'm in for True Lies. Trying to get their life back together. And by the way, this is not on CBS. My version of True (laughs) Lies is, it's, it's, it's in the heart of James Cameron, which is not on fucking CBS. I love CBS a lot, but it's just not on CBS. All right. I can't wait to read this pilot and, and see where they've gone. All right. Are you ready, Tasha? <sighs> I'm nervous, but I'm ready. Alien. Ah, for some reason, I knew you were going to say that. I was thinking, what would be a Tasha-type's idea? 
That's really difficult to execute. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that I can make her do it on the on the on the fly. Okay. The thing I love about Alien the most is the everyday dynamic of the crew in this extremely foreign world, this mining spaceship. Yes. So that would be a starting point for me is picking up with a different crew on a space, doing everyday things like they're miners, they're blue collar work, everyday work be people. It's that life, but set in this crazy sci-fi world. I also love, of course, I think as everyone does and why this movie is so iconic, the one voice of reason in the movie being consistently ignored mm. and everyone getting picked off because they're consistently ignoring her. Yeah. This isn't a show yet, but there's something in there that I would want to play with. I think when the, the rest of the alien movies get kind of like superhero-y and sort of big, right. I'd stay away from that and I'd make it almost like a, a bring it more closer to the horror of the first one, like the smaller yeah. dramatic, interpersonal horror on a spaceship okay so it takes place on a spaceship i wonder if they're like little missions that like this person that nobody is listening to like they have to do these little things on planets or so i mean that seems like a little big budget i think it has i think it has to be because otherwise it's just alien right so i think you do have to have some there's a piece i'm missing that i don't know what it is that would make this you know, justify it to be. And I wonder if so the reason and we talk about this all the time, the reason why you make something a TV show versus a movie is that a TV show is more about a world that you're putting your characters through Mm -hmm. versus a, a movie, which is kind of a destination, right? So if that's the overall thing to think about for TV shows, then for my alien TV show, I would want to more fully invest in what their world is like. Do they then dock at a space station at some point and kind of take a breather, spend the weekend there? Some of them go to a strip bar. Some of them go see a movie or whatever the equivalent is in this future. Kind of see that everyday stuff. A little Blade Runner maybe thrown in there a bit in terms of like what the everyday world looks like. And then some shit goes wrong. You know, I was just, this is like Mandalorian. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Mandalorian is every episode's a new mission. Oh yeah. God, I can't wait for Mandalorian to be back. (laughs) I can't wait for it either. (laughs) Okay. Does the more episodic version interest you where every episode they're on a different planet doing their mining and have to confront some new problem? No, I, I like the serialized version alien i feel like i can't do anything but serialized the only thing you're gonna hear from me today is serialized shit yeah no i don't even know what episodic is (laughs) (laughs) but see there's something with alien this is i know you could kill something like this because you would be able to create these like very rich characters and put them in positions that that are all character based essentially Mm -hmm. with the occasional mission and oh my god something weird is happening it's like there's something on the wing type mentality. Like there's something going on here. No one's listening to this person. And that plays out over the course of yeah. the season. I think I'd maybe want to structure it like a haunted house show. 
Ooh, yeah. So maybe we are on the mining planet and a big part of it takes place on the ship where shit goes goes down and that's sort of where we probably have our climax but we're allowed to live outside of it and i think with horror what's what can be fun about the haunted house structure is your world gets smaller and smaller when the horror amps up meaning like as the bad guys the ghost or the supernatural entity or in this case the alien closes in your world gets more and more claustrophobic so you could see like it the world kind of starting big in episode one and then this sounds a lot like my diehard pitch and then increasingly by the end of this <laughs> the finale by the finale you sort of you're trapped in the ship and that's yeah. where it's all gonna go down i'm in and then season two starts with like a ptsd survivor like yeah <laughs> a they, they could be sorry i know you're about to say something but no, now no, i'm getting no, no. excited like it, season two could start with you know your sigourney weaver character just being interviewed she's has ptsd she's like trying to explain herself to the government or the company that she was mining for what the hell happened and then you sort of pull back and you're with a different crew and they're like man what the fuck happened to her that's weird oh she's yeah. lost it and now we're on a totally different mission i'm in it's an anthology an alien anthology <laughs> an anthology i and all, you know it's what i was thinking is like you were saying that obviously it takes place in the future like i feel like on this spaceship there can be cool little um there can be like vr like there can be holographic mm. things there can be things that kind of put us into a different world which tie into the character stuff and even tie into like some weird shit that might be going on i always think of like side things like that in mm -hmm. uh for television because obviously you just kind of need moments like that but yeah I what's like cool it. is making that a little bit every day i think that's the fun of sci-fi movies is seeing characters interact with stuff that for you is like mind-blowing but yeah. for them is like no different than having an xbox so it's like one of the characters is like gets in a fight and is like dude i need to blow off some steam goes out plays some video games in his room but it's really like this crazy vr system we could only imagine let's go <laughs> <laughs> okay are Moving you ready on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to flip this one up big time. I'm already feeling it. I got, you actually threw me off with uh, True Lies. I bet you thought it was in my sweet spot, but it actually kind of fucked me up because, <laughs> because, because of how much I don't work on like the TV show and I kind of like got depressed, but now I'm ready. I'm back. <laughs> well, here's the question. Should I throw you a curveball or should I throw you another one that I feel like you would absolutely destroy? Curveball. <laughs> okay. No, no. Fuck. I don't know. Do whatever one. Just you figure it out. <laughs> okay kindergarten cop <laughs> kindergarten cop oh my god let's go i know how to <laughs> reboot i know how to make this a tv show i honestly feel like you would kill this as a tv show somehow you know what though i'm co i'm coming in with a complete curveball on kindergarten cop <laughs> are you ready yes for my kindergarten cop yeah. oh, tv boy. show pitch so we've got this cop this this like cop who's just you know He's been fired. This is his last chance. It's like, you need to, you need, this is like, we're going to set you into this school because there have been some kids that have been missing. There's some weird shit going on in this school. We, uh, this is on red alert, but we can't like alert the, the state and we can't alert parents. So we're going to put you in. You're going to be a teacher. And he's like, what, what class am I teaching? I was about to try to do an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression and <laughs> <Yes>. I stopped. <laughs> and uh, and uh, then he's like, you know, okay, where am I teaching? He's like, kindergarten. He's like, what the fuck? So he starts teaching kindergarten. He hates it. So, you know, we're learning about how much he like hates 
kids. He never got married. He's this disgruntled cop. But he gets into the school, and in the first episode, he's starting to realize that some of the kids are like, like a little strange. There's something like a little off about some of these kids. And he's like, listen, I don't know kids, but I know this motherfucker shouldn't be drawing like black pentagrams on the wall over there. Like something oh, weird is going on here. So now he's like starting to take an interest. He talk, talks to this other kid. One of the kids he's now going to grow close with who he's going to end up having a relationship with his mother. He's talking to this child and he's like, Hey man, like, were you friends with, you know, Billy who went missing the other week? And kid's like, yeah, I was friends with him. He kept talking about, um, you know, this door that he kept seeing. And he was like, what the, what are you talking about? So anyway, Tasha, this is, I'm not going to pitch this time. I'm not going to go like a 40 minute <laughs> I'm pitch. I'm so here. in. <laughs> but I think my kindergarten cop reboot is a little Stranger Things, Ooh. a little paranormal. And I think some shit's going down at the school. And so this, you know, by the book cop who is a little rough around the edges he comes into this school and he's starting to have to protect these kids and he's trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Meanwhile, there's of course some criminals that are probably, there's like a subplot of actual criminals Naturally. that are happening. So there's like four different things happening. So that's my, my kindergarten cop pitch is like, uh, is it also a comedy? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's X Files beats. Yeah, it's it's a. I was actually gonna say it's a little bit more in, in the vein of like an X Files, maybe with some paranormal, because now that I said that, it's almost like the Hopper character from mm -hmm. Stranger Things, mm -hmm. like becoming a teacher in. The, yeah, that's kind of meta, but that's great. Yeah, it's like X Files meets Stranger Things meets Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch it? that version of Kindergarten Cop. Mm -hmm. And here's why. Because I love <laughs> Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> and then I, if I see someone is just straight rebooting it, yeah, I'd be like, why am I wasting my time on a TV show that doesn't even have Arnold in it when yeah. I could just go watch Kindergarten Cop, which is way better? Yeah, no, I agree. And I'll say that without having seen a single episode, by the way, that it's way better. But if you're suddenly like, it's kindergarten top, cop, Tasha, but there's aliens in it. And I'm like, yeah. whoa, okay, well, now I want to see that. That's yeah. bizarre. This is like a dark version of kindergarten cop. It's eight episodes and it's on Amazon. <laughs> so I, I that's, that's my kindergarten cop right there. It's beautiful. And you know what? Arnold Schwarzenegger's fucking in it. He's back. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in! <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you so for that's... taking my curveball. Oh, of course. So I'm going to throw a curveball at you. <laughs> this, is a, this is a movie that I, I would actually not be shocked if you haven't seen, but I think you're going to be offended that I just said that. Okay. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. What? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> This is my curveball. Here's my thing about Ferris Bueller and his day off. <laughs> I love Ferris Bueller's day off, but <laughs> I tend to not like slackers in my real life as well as in my writing life. Uh -huh. So I don't know how I would write a Ferris Bueller's day off show with all my heart. 
I almost feel like I know how you would write a Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I'm going to, I would get crazy with it. Why does Ferris have to be a slacker? Can't, can't your version of Ferris be a hard worker? No, the whole point of Ferris <laughs> is that he's a hero for slackers. And he just leads his, okay. All right, wait, am I finding it? Okay. So something about there Ferris we go. that there I we love go. <laughs> is he just wants to enjoy the moment and enjoy life no matter where he is. What if we pick up on Ferris when he's an adult? Oh, shit, a, I'm in. He has a job. <laughs> and the okay. job is boring. It's TPS reports. It's... TPS. <laughs> and you have Fer Ferris Bueller's day off of work. But then what happens is a kind of like hangover situation. Not quite that rated R. But things start escalating. By the end, he's definitely been recruited as a spy in some way to do something because it's just everything has snowballed to become the best, not day of all time, but the best, however many episodes I have of all yeah. time for him. And the the end of the season is just him like back home being like, what the fuck just happened? Wow. So his day off turns into like, the best case scenario for him or a nightmare scenario for him? Like, does he want to be? I think the wish fulfillment and the fun of Ferris Bueller's Day Off is that it's the best case scenario stuff. Yeah. So I think it's that. What What if What if your version of Ferris, and I like it, like the grown-up Ferris, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but you think he's like this slacker who's going to get away with everything. And then because of his slacker, kind of his ability to talk his way out of everything, it like I think this is what you're saying, but... He actually fucks a lot up and he gets into a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. Ferris Bueller's bad day off. <laughs> well, the fun too of Ferris Bueller's day off is that trouble is right behind him. It's like on his ass. Yeah. And almost if he stops his momentum of being awesome and having fun, then he's going to get in serious trouble. So it's like he yeah. can't stop. And that could be the fun of the series is there's always like the cops on his tail as well as like the disgruntled boss or coworker who's pissed mm. off he's taking the day off and like kind of like the sister character in the movie. It's like, who's the coworker who's like, this fucker says he's sick and I know he's not and now I have to do all his work. I'm gonna prove that he's not sick. And yeah. At work, it's great because like all the bosses love him, all the coworkers <laughs> love him, and he just like skates through at work. <laughs> by, by the way, I think Ferris Bueller Day Off, Bueller's Day Off as a grown-up is amazing. All right. And quite honestly, I would watch that show. <laughs> I think I would watch that show too. And one day we're gonna we're gonna figure out why you don't like slackers. <laughs> You'll have to get into that in therapy. I also, by the way, think it's a it's a thirty minute show. Yeah, I do too. Totally. Yeah, it's like Ted Lasso. Very. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say like incredibly serialized. Like it's it's like a thirty minute show, but like an eight hour movie. Oh yeah. Well yeah 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 yeah. Mm. Are we saying the same thing? Yeah yeah. <laughs> Are we saying the same thing? <laughs> no, it's, right. it's it is. It's serialized. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cur personally curious how you would do James Bond as a TV show. Mm, I feel like Bond. it's super hard to do James Bond as a TV show. I think it's very hard, too, because that would be an episodic, it feels like, where it would be like each one is a mission. Like there's one huge mission happening throughout the series, but there is many missions that James Bond has to go on in each episode. 
So if I was doing James Bond as a TV show, which I will one day, I think that I would (laughs) (laughs) probably start him as like, maybe like this takes place years after the, well, I don't know if this could actually happen, but in my perfect world, it's like James Bond is dead. To the outside world, James Bond ceases to exist Mm -hmm. until someone comes in his life and is like, listen, James Bond, I am going to out you and you are going to be on the hunt again. I know you just want to get out of this. I know you just want to live a normal life. You've kind of like turned into John Wick in the sense where he's like, I'm retired. But unless you help me, I'm going to tell all of the government agencies, all the bad guys where you're hiding. And you're going to now lose your wife, your dog, your child, your life. So we now are, we're meeting actually domesticated James Bond. Mm -hmm. And James Bond agrees to it. And James Bond then goes on like a mission for this person. And I think that through that mission, it would set off a chain of events that would pull James Bond back into his double O world. And now he's not just like a double O spy. He's like a rogue double O spy, but he's also hiding it from his family. Is he working for the enemy in this version? He doesn't know who he's working for, but he's working for someone. So his B story is like trying to figure out what the hell he's gotten himself into while he's doing this mission he has to do to save his family. I do think it's actually more interesting if he is working for the enemy and it turns out like that's his great villain at the end of season one. Mm -hmm. Or he think like at first you're like, this is a good guy. This is like another double O agent. I mean, it might be a little on the nose, a little obvious, but then towards the end you realize like, man, I've been doing some bad shit. And now because of all the bad shit he just did, he's going to have to pay for it in season two. What if there are elements of your spec that did so well at Austin Film Festival <laughs> where there's a woman who oh, that's right. he mistreated? Oh, like the, the comedy James Bond? Yeah, your I fucked James Bond script. But bring it into the reality of your world that you're pitching now, which is more serious. Just so you know, I once tried to write a pilot of something like that where it was like about a girl who ends up sleeping with a James Bond character and she then gets pulled into the world, essentially. So you tried to do a pilot version of I Fuck James Bond? I did. Yeah, I once tried to write it. Hmm. I didn't finish it. I told no one. I'm telling you now. (laughs) Thank you for telling me your secret. I appreciate you and your your truth. Well, why why did it not work? Or why did you stop? It felt too big budget, honestly. Like I couldn't Mm. figure out a way because it was like this world traveler, you know, and it was really difficult for me to figure out a James Bond story without having having her or him. Like I'm now in France. I'm now in Turkey. It was just like that was, that's like the the cool to me about James Bond Mm -hmm. is like Mm -hmm. seeing these really exotic places that no one else goes to because he's, he's James fucking Bond. Yeah. So in conclusion, he's domesticated. He gets pulled back into the world. He has a family now. And then maybe his wife is like an agent as well. He just doesn't know it. (gasps) What if she's been betraying him this whole time and this is the long con? I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Even had kids with him. Maybe they're fake kids and she pretended like she was pregnant and then like stole a baby from some kind of underground facility. And this is all a lie. 
That's really dark. It's real dark. That's fucked up, Tasha. That is. You such never a know the length someone would go. <laughs> if you're a villain. <laughs> All right, last one. Yeah. Okay. Do you want a crazy one or not so crazy one? Like one that's like actually plausible to be a TV show one day. I sort of want the crazy one, but I may defer and pass and go back to the other one. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Transformers. But it can't be a big budget. They're micro machines. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh, I'm going to give you the other one. Okay. okay. <laughs> the Sixth Sense. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Couldn't you see The Sixth Sense being a TV show soon? Yeah. You follow the kid, right? And you, you you just follow the various ghosts that he's helping. I mean, does Sixth Sense work as a TV show? Well, as an executive, I'm telling you to make it work, Tasha. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we hired you. All right, Mr. Holman. Well, <laughs> I definitely think this could work as a TV show. And... For me, you know, obviously Sixth Sense, the, the joy of watching that movie comes from the surprise at the end. If you haven't seen this movie, stop now. Spoiler. But the twist at the end is, of course, that the guy you thought was the main character of the movie, Bruce Willis, is in fact a ghost hmm. who needs his life to sort of be repaired or needs some kind of closure in order to, to move on. So you would have to have your kid character who sees a bunch of ghosts and is having to deal with that again. And I think the fun of the show would be, you have no idea who he's seeing is a ghost. Like anyone Ooh. in anyone in his life could be a ghost and you have no idea. And it's the fun of playing with the audience and their expectations of who's who, because yeah. the kid doesn't even know. Oh, so, and this is through the perspective of the kid. Yeah. Wow, is this like an Amblin show? Yeah, could be. Absolutely. Wow. And Mr. So Holman, it can be whatever you want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Way to flip it on me. What I, what I love most about your pitches is that you actually come at it with like, actually like you pitch. So what I, what resonates with me about the sixth sense is that there's the twist at the end. Like that's what we talked about in the pitching episode is like, always talk about what you love about something. Well, what's interesting is I have no idea how else to start because I have no idea how to adapt Alien <laughs> to a yeah, show, no, of course. but I know what I liked about Alien. And so that's a good first step to be like, okay, if that's the thing I like, might as well lean into the thing that I like, because that's the only way I know how to think about this thing. And that applies in the real world as well. And why I think you can get people who have totally unique takes. I think a fun thing would have been, we both pick the same movie and pitch yeah. our take. Oh shit. Because <laughs> I bet it would be completely different. Like what you really gravitate towards with James Bond might be completely different than what I love about James Bond. And therefore yeah. our pitch, the core of our pitch will be completely different. Mm. Like for me, I love about James Bond, particularly the Daniel Craig James Bond, which is very different than all of the ones that have come before. But the Daniel Craig James Bond, like he seems so damaged. And I feel yeah. like none of the other James Bonds have ever felt damaged. 
And I, I mean, obviously they play with that over the course of the movies of like the different betrayals by the women and whatnot. What I want to know is like, what, what is this damaged James Bond? Who's like always on, what does he like in his everyday? What does he do between missions? Is he just always on mm. missions? He's not, what does he do? What does he do between then? And like, does he have a mom? Does wow. he have a dad? Yeah. No, see, what's crazy about what you're saying is like, I always preach character, but like James Bond is one of those few franchises that I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> I just want to see this guy. Yeah, you just want to see him fuck shit up. I want it. Yes, that's it. Like, it's the weirdest yeah. thing. And that's how I've, it's it's that hasn't changed. So, like, obviously, when I was a kid, I was like, this guy sleeps with women and he's like on missions like I'm in. Mm hmm. I haven't changed that much as an adult. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but the Daniel, like, I grew up with the Pierce Brosnan 007, and he had, like, no issues. So I feel like the James yeah. Bond I would pitch if I never saw Daniel Craig, the TV show would be just, like, a really fun action kind of, com not comedy, but it would have that amusing factor and just be, like, mission after mission. I think it would be episodic because all I want to see of that James Bond is him doing action and having fun in those scenes. But the Daniel Craig version, I'd want a little extra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love seeing like the in-betweens of James Bond. But I also think it would be fun too because I think that James Bond movies can rush the villain story a lot. Yeah. And so it would be fun to see James Bond actually being a spy in the sense of he gets clues. He has to figure yeah. out the clue because you only just see him do action-y stuff. You never really see him being super smart and like intellectual. So yeah. I would like to see that version of James Bond in the show. I love it. Years ago, I saw Pierce Brosnan. Like in it, person? Out, yeah, like out in the real world. Uh -huh. And he like carried himself like James Bond. Oh, that's like so awesome. He, he was like <laughs> dapper and he was just, I was like, oh my God, it's him. Like it was really him. Everyone was looking at him. Like it was like, what the fuck? That's James amazing. Bond is here. It was, was he wearing a suit? Crazy. He wasn't wearing a suit, but he was wearing like a sports jacket. Very and he, nice. Um, he was just like, he was Bond. He really embodied James Bond. Although I do love Daniel Craig. I yeah. just wanted to throw that out there. That's my, awesome. My Bond story. Anyway, <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. All right. Quote of the day. You should sometimes think about looking at your movie through the point of view of the villain who is really the one driving the narrative, Stephen D'Souza. Mm. That was actually perfect. Yeah. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And you can follow Act Two on both those things at also Act Two Writers. Boom. I'm Josh Hallman on Instagram and Joshua Hallman on Twitter. And as always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm -hmm.